All right. This is the Awakening with Brian podcast, and I have the incredible pleasure to have my good friend, spiritual brother, Troy, on the call here. We're going to talk about some awesome things like Iboga, past life regression, spirituality, and perhaps other things. But with that said, I'll get right to it. Troy, how you doing, brother? I am doing perfect, man. You know, that's always going to be my answer. I'm really <laughs> thankful to, I'm really thankful to have you on this or have me on this podcast, man. You're a, you are a spiritual brother of mine, and um, I'm looking forward to many more years have come of our individual growth. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a journey already and it just keeps keeps on going. <laughs> a lifetime of plenty of adventures and growth and, you know, all kinds of great things in store. So with that said, your background is primarily of a, a BOGA facilitator, essentially, right? Or how else would you describe mm -hmm. that? My actual background is in, in chemistry, analytical chemistry specifically. I have a master's in psychology as well. And I'm in a clinical psychology program right now for a doctoral degree, two and a half years left. I would really call myself a scholar practitioner. Research has always kind of been something that's been my foundation, whether it's into spirituality, science, iboga, whatever it could be. And so a scholar practitioner and a servant of iboga is really the way I would describe it. Yeah. I love that. A scholar practitioner and a iboga facilitator as well, both, right? A medicine yeah. provider, I, sh I should say, right? That's so powerful because this journey of spiritual exploration, personal growth, healing, whatever you want to, you know, associate with that, all, all they all intersect, they're all basically the same thing, you know, just being a constant student of that because you know, there's an infinite how we can explore that and to expand our consciousness, right? And then just further our own personal journey. But see to that, I think um, the real thing with me is one thing I learned is being a student when I was in undergrad and, and grad school for chemistry I learned to question everything, right? If, if a teacher was showing you something, I would always ask questions, questions, questions. And that's sort of carried on with me to this day. And I, I appreciate it in the spiritual world because there's so much stuff that we believe in or that we're told spiritually that we don't question, actually. Um, even I think we just mentioned healing, right? There's there to, to, to heal means to return to wholeness. And so the real question is, if someone says, I can help you with healing, what they're really saying to you, the hidden message is, I can return you to wholeness, which really is saying you're not whole. And so by questioning everything, questioning, am I really healing, questioning it all, it actually allows you to be a better student of this medicine path, of this spiritual path. I and mean, that's a great topic that we discussed in depth before and talking about like, you know, healing, what that really means. Yeah. And it's a loaded word because it can mean a lot of things. And oftentimes it means what you've been challenging, that there's something wrong with you, therefore that needs to be fixed, right? Correct. But healing can also mean from a place of empowerment that you are already perfect as you are. It's just getting you to remember that, right? The traumas is the forgetting of that, right? It's a disconnection from the truth. And so Must it's be. coming back to the truth. It's like, that, 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 that has always been true. And, you know, people would hear me, you know, say that spiel over and over in my programs and even in some of my videos. It's just like, just remind yourself that you're, you're whole and you are enough and you are loved just as you are. You don't need to get it. You don't have to fill up to fix what's there. It's just, no, it's remembering. It's there right now. And the more you can remember that, therefore, all this other, all these behaviors behaviors and coping mechanisms that we do, which are just a symptom of feeling that we are not whole or to make up for it, that starts to fall away gradually, right? Gradually with time. Well, see, it's, it's a completely different type of platform to stand on when you recognize your wholeness mm -hmm. and then seek to improve yourself and the amount of light you can express onto this world. It's why uh, our center, we, we I think you know this, we purchased land in the Caribbean recently and we're opening a center there called Root and Wisdom. And it's Root and Wisdom, Temple of Iboga and Center for Spiritual Remembering. 
remember your divinity. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Temple of Wisdom. That's an awesome name. That sounds perfect. Since we're talking about Iboga so much, that's exactly what I want to get into. Simply put, what, what is Iboga and why do people do Iboga? Yeah, that's a definitely loaded question. You know, Iboga is interesting because you go to different websites for different places that are providing it and they're going to tell you something different about it each. Some people say it's a sacrament. Some people call it a plant medicine. Some will call it a psychedelic. Some will be an entheogen. It really depends on the person holding it and what they decide to try to use it for or do with it. For me personally, Iboga is a tool. A lot of times we talk about in this work, making the unconscious conscious. Mm -hmm. I actually think it's reversed with Iboga. Iboga is a tool that brings consciousness into the unconscious, which you then explore. Yeah. And so the way we hold a specific medicine is we see it as a tool. And that tool can be used for your quote unquote healing, your remembering. It could be used to do inner child work. It could be used to explore ancestral bloodlines and healing, so many things. But it's really a tool that one can use to expand their state of awareness into different realms. Yeah. I mean, I love the way that you mentioned that it's a tool. And quite honestly, everything in this spiritual path is a tool all the, you know, quote unquote, healing modalities, all the things that we do to remember, you know, our wholeness, they're all tools because um, the ultimate work is all happening right here. And the tools just aid in that, you know, essentially that remembrance. And you know, however you want to talk about it, it's just aiding in that internal journey mm -hmm. that one is on for really lifetimes and multiple lifetimes, really. We can we can touch on that later, you know, <laughs> multiple lifetimes, past life regressions. But with that said, you know, Iboga is also going a little bit more into the micro. Iboga is like a, uh, it's like a tree root, right? They ground it up. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, really the first thing to mention, I, I want to mention is the tradition that has been entrusted as the sacred bearers of the medicine or the Bwiti. The Bwiti are the indigenous people to Central Africa, mainly Gabon, the Congo, Cameroon. And yeah, it's just, it's just good that we, hold them in this context always first, right? Because going Absolutely. back to these indigenous people, these indigenous traditions is really the way we always should start with this. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, it's a shrub, a perennial shrub that grows in Central Africa. Mainly you can grow in other parts. You can grow it in South America. I believe you could actually grow it in Florida if you if you wanted to, but mainly from Gabon. And yes, you'll shave off a portion of the root bark. You'll grind that up and then you'll ingest that. You can also make a tea from it. Or as other people have done, they've done an enema. There's <laughs> different ways to... <laughs> Get that one in <laughs> different ways, but yes, it's a it's a tr it's a tree bark that you're you're consuming. So you say a shrub, you know, is that different than like an actual tree tree? Because I'm thinking like tree tree. But if it's a shrub, like more like a bush kind of thing, a bit different. It, yeah, they grow they grow pretty large though. So if you were to go out to Gabon, I was initiated at a beautiful village called the Bondo by a man named Tata Yo, who's my spiritual father. And they have a few iboga trees outside and they're you know, they're good six foot, seven foot shrubs, and there's some that grow much, much taller than that. Okay. So it could be like full grown tree versus much smaller shrub kind of a sure, exactly. variety of that. Interesting. Yeah. There is also out there what's called Ibogaine, which mm -hmm. is uh you know, they take the psychoactive part of the, they extract the psychoactive part of Iboga, which is the alkaloid. They, they somehow extract it or they synthetically make it, but Either way, there's that chemical component. And and there's the same, and I guess the same can be said for what people do of ayahuasca or, you know, synthetically creating DMT and so on and so forth. What do you know about ibogaine and how would you describe, if and if so, how would you describe that compared to iboga? Yeah, so inside of the tabernacle iboga of the root bark itself, there's many alkaloids, but there's essentially 14 primary alkaloids, researchers here and there on it, but around 14. Many of them have amazing properties inside of it. For example, tabernanthine 
is one of the alkaloids. There was a study done where they addicted rats to morphine and cocaine. They taught the rats how to self-administer by pressing a button, right? So they can get their fix. They injected half the rats with tabernanthine and half with the placebo. And what they found was the half that was injected with tabernanthine dropped their self-administration by over 90%. Wow, that's huge. 90%. 90%. That's just one. There's also bokongine, ibogaine amine. It's an anticonvulsant, central nervous system stimulant. And so there's many alkaloids inside of this entire profile. Ibogaine is one specific alkaloid. Yes, they are working on synthetic versions that don't have any of the quote-unquote side effects and to reduce the or mitigate the quote-unquote psychedelic properties and so yeah it's it's mostly harvested if it's done in the right way there's a there's a bush a bush a plant called a vokongi that grows and vokongi has a bunch of ibogaine in it about 20 percent to which an iboga tree usually has about eight percent ibogaine and so you can get a higher efficiency extraction from vokongi so most of the centers who are doing it ethically are working with vokongi ibogaine some people do take the iboga tree for the ibogaine, but there's a lot of work being done to mitigate that. There's a beautiful um, NGO called Blessings of the Forest, actually, who's doing a lot for the sustainability of iboga. Uh, but and, and so to answer your question, yes, ibogaine is one alkaloid used predominantly in the anti-addictive states. There's a lot of places in Mexico you'll find if you're suffering a severe addiction, you'll go there and it's treated very different from a psycho-spiritual work with iboga. It's a medical facility. You're going to have 24-hour medical care, you're going to have instrumentation, you're going to have doctors. It's administered either through an IV, sometimes through pills, but a very different experience has transformative effects for some people, but it's only a fraction of the true mastery of this plant. Yeah, because the iboga, the direct from the root is like the synergy of all those alkaloids. and A full spectrum. More stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a full spectrum healer versus one color. I mean, imagine if all the only thing we saw in this world was the color red, right? That would be beautiful at some parts, but also very boring. Now you have this entire UV spectrum and we get to see the true beauty of the world in front of us. And that's really what Iboga is. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really key. Just even generally speaking with a lot of these plant medicines doing the synthetic versus the natural essence, which has so much more to it. That makes it as magical and as potent as it is. It's not just the one chemical that scientists like to isolate. There's just so many things that are going into it, make it like that perfect soup, delicious soup yeah. of, of a spiritual <laughs> And whoever whoever created all of this surely created Iboga and to assume that we know better, it's a big assumption to make. You're fine to make that assumption, but it's a very big one to make. Yeah, what, what happens by whatever divine nature or outside forces that creates really all of nature around us, there's so much more, infinitely more, or infinitely more intelligence behind that than what we yeah. make synthetically ourselves with the limited perspective of our human consciousness. There is a, I will say too, just shortly, there is a, a place for these synthetics for Ibogaine as well. There are some people who get a lot about it out of it. And so, you know, I think it's really just about honoring the different walk of path you're on. For some people who come to our center, we can't accept them, right? Because they're still in the de- they're still using substances or in the detox process. So they might go to an Ibogaine clinic, have their actual detox done, get the neurons reset, the receptors reset, excuse me, and then come to us for a more psycho-spiritual, psychosomatic form of, of work and exploration. Yeah, that's a good point to balance that this discussion out is that sometimes there's a place 
place for that is why it exists. Even if we are human and limited, we're still an extension of source, God, the universe. And what we create is still, in essence, still part of that. And so there's a, there's a place for that. Even if you look at the world of psychiatry, how there's for sure so much blind spots and, and wrong with it, just fundamentally, just trying to numb the symptoms and keep you numbed out fundamentally. But sometimes people are not able to do, do the deep work. They're not functional enough. And so they need that at least short term to just kind of act as training wheels to carry them at least a little while until they can prepare themselves to actually do the deep work and eventually get off of the medications, which is exactly ultimately a big thing for a lot of people is to get off those medications. In fact, you know, I'm sure you've had clients like that yourself and like yeah, a lot of them myself where they're just numbed down these medications and they want to get off it because they know it's, yeah, it keeps them functional, but keeps them numbed out to all of life. Yeah, so, so you know, it's interesting you say that. Someone at the last retreat we had asked me, what are the main addictions that people show up with? They said, I heard Iboga helps with addictions. What are the main ones that people show up with? And they were naming all these different pharmaceuticals and these different drugs and all this and that. And I was like, it's none of those. I was like, the number one addiction I find is the suffering. Actually, yeah. pe That's people right. are addicted to it. The number two addiction I found is to healing, actually. And the third one I found, and it's not, it's not a substance. It's uh, suffering, healing, an inability to feel. They don't want to feel. They don't yeah. want to feel the highs and lows of life. They want to be in this neutral state. That's yeah. the number three addiction I've really seen at this retreat is how much people do not want to experience the hot water or the cold water. They just want that medium water. Yeah, it's very interesting. It is. That's an interesting paradox. And I think we might have talked about that. Part of that too is that the the very thing that gets people into this healing journey, just journey of growth and just not being stuck doing the same thing that they've been doing, however you want to call it, right? They're just tired of doing the same thing, getting the same results, and it's extremely unfulfilling. Sometimes the desire to get out of it is actually what keeps them stuck in it. I think it's what you're kind of alluding to. Yeah. And I've even mentioned that many times as well through my platforms is like sometimes, and it's basically trying to like get out of the suffering, but that means to stop even further continuing to stop feeling what's uncomfortable, essentially. It's like, I yeah. want to heal. I want to, whatever word you want to do, I want to stop suffering is what you're trying to say. But exactly. the stopping, the, the running away from the suffering is actually what's been perpetuating their cycle the entire time. We flip it on his head. It's like, coming back to your third point, it's like, look, as much as you want to get out of it, you're also have to, going to have to let go of that cycle too because in embracing both the light and the dark. Exactly, because it is you. you actually get out, get unstuck. It's you, it's you. I, I just did a psycho-spiritual journey with a woman, which is, you know how the psycho-spirituals work. They're the best, my, my favorite part about this work. And in her vision, a tormentor of her childhood appeared. And she confronted this person. And when the person left, it left this dark figure standing in its place, which she was faced with. And she was like, oh my God, this is that thing that's haunted me for all these years. And what I suggested to do, I said, well, what do you want to do? She's like, I need it. I need to kill it. I need to get rid of it. I need to, I need to let it go. It's got to be away from you. And I said to her, I said, well, what if this is you? What if this is a part of you? This is what Jung talks about with the shadow. So what if this piece of you that you're seeking to extract or to remove from you is you? What if instead we tried to integrate it? What if we put our arms around it, our angel wings around it, and we held it in a nurturing manner in its scariness, its fullness, its its discomfort? What if we did that? And that's what we actually, that's how we approached her work in this journey work we just did last, last retreat and transformational shift in this woman's central nervous system, the clarity of her eyes, her speech patterns, her steadiness in her motor skills, everything about her shifted, all because there was no more dissonance inside from her fighting her very own self, which she projected as this external dark entity. And so it's, it's very interesting to do stuff like that and, and see how this medicine kind of allows you to sort of become your own shamanic healer. I mean, you don't need someone else, but you know how it is. When you're on Iboga, you are 
the fucking shaman. You, <laughs> you got no choice. <laughs> you're, you're in it. You're doing it yourself. You're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like the, the key thing there in short is what you resist persists. What you resist resists you right back. But you meet with openness, love, whatever you want to call it. That energy gets matched, right? We live in a, a universe that's reflecting ourselves right back to us. So when we, whatever that we think we're fighting against, that actually we're fighting against yourself. Easier said than done, of course. It takes practice, but like you, you practice just being open every time and just loving that part of you even in the, even the part of you that's actually the other person that you're fighting with there's a romantic partner or whoever that you're judging you're loving that you're loving them you're loving that part inside yourself too exactly right? and then, and then that's that, exactly that the charge starts to dissipate you know gradually that's triggered from that because you know you're no longer trying to resist it the, the triggers is the resistance to the thing let's see it's going down my list here how about yourself what got you personally into this iboga especially but i mean you can go further back you know <laughs> wherever it started yeah yeah man so i um i mean you know a little bit of my background i grew up in the foster system and so for me my childhood was just riddled with abuse it was so normal for me that when i started spending the night at other friends house and i noticed that people weren't getting beat that there was no inappropriate actions happening by by the caretakers or by the other children in the house it, it was actually a shocking revelation for me to see the world and be like oh my gosh like i'm something's wrong with me my life is damaged and so that story i told myself that something's wrong with me lasted my entire life i played collegiate basketball tried to hide through sports i could i can express anger but no other emotions when basketball ended i went to grad school because i found science there's no feelings in chemistry world right it's proof or disproof it's ones or zeros it's binary and yeah. so i got into science i worked as a chemist for about 15 20 years just grinding doing the chemistry thing traveling the world beautiful job very lucrative but i was absolutely rotten inside was drinking on the weekend smoking using women like anything you could think of just to not feel right? That number three addiction I was talking about. Don't want to yep. feel the highs and lows. And then I found my way to Aya and... Aya, yeah. Ayahuasca, right? Yeah, yeah. Ayahuasca. I actually went to Rhythmia here in Costa Rica. Over the course of those four ceremonies, this is why I don't believe in healing. I remembered who I was. I yeah. remembered actually. It came as a remembering. I went home to a whole new world. I had a great job, a beautiful partner, condo in downtown San Diego. And I was like, I love my life. Like, uh -huh. I'm happy. And so I get a text message about three, four months after I arrived back from Rhythmia. And the message said, it said, hey, Troy, this is so-and-so. I was at Rhythmia with you. I just went to a place in Costa Rica to work with Iboga. And while I was there, I saw you in my vision. And so I felt like I should tell you. And so I started researching Iboga. I saw that you can ask questions. And I had one question for it. This is why I went. I wanted to know, what do you do when you're happy? That was the only question I had for the medicine. And so I ate the medicine. I sat in the ceremony. I asked it, what do you do? It gave me its answer. And um, immediately after that, I saw myself in Africa with the owner of the center. From that moment on, I... Sold my house, quit my job, and have been dedicated servant to the plant ever since. And the tradition of the Bwiti, of course, which is part of my own personal spiritual practice. And at the same time, you know, clearly there was something about Iboga that really called for you deeply. Versus there's so many other plant medicines out there. So, you know, how would you describe that? Why Iboga yeah. versus ayahuasca or whatever that could have came across your, you know, your awareness? Well, I would say the first layer is that I have Gabonese lineage. So my, my father was Gabonese. Um, I never met him, but through genetics testing, I was able to find that my mother was French, which is actually the colonizers of Gabon, which is odd, an odd pairing. So there's a genetic tie there for me. 
of course. Further upon that, I've always sort of lived by this very simple principle that experience transcends faith. I've never been someone who really has a lot of belief or a lot of faith into things because, yeah, I don't believe that belief has a place where truth lies actually. And so what I found with the boga is it's a hunter of the truth. And so you don't need to have faith that there's a God. You don't need to have faith that you're whole. You don't have faith that you're a soul because through iboga, you can experience that there's a God. You can experience that you're whole. You can experience that you have a soul. And so that's really the magic of it for me. That's really got me. And then in addition to that, simply because of my science background, obviously, I think I told you I had a second master's in East-West psychology from Chaffer Institute of Integral Studies. It's a program focused on studying not just Western psychotherapy traditions, but Eastern and indigenous traditions as well. And how do those two merge? It's a really beautiful program. So I, during my master's in that, I was also able to really see and understand like, wow, there's this really expansive way that the Toltec people are looking at healing versus Carl Jung looked at it. And for me, Iboga has helped me in my personal exploration of spirituality. I can take Iboga by myself and not large amounts, but I can take it and sit in meditation for a few hours and explore alchemy, alchemical principles or read a text or read something and with a voice note and play it back to myself over a series of few hours. And it really opens you up into this experiential mode of learning. And so as a provider of this medicine, what really hooks me with this is seeing someone show up with all of these beliefs, whether they're limiting beliefs or beautiful beliefs, and seeing these beliefs challenged mm-hmm. experientially through the medicine. And they say, you know what? I don't need to believe that I'm whole anymore because I am fucking whole. I've experienced it. Mm-hmm. And that's really what whole, this medicine holds with me. Very powerful. At the same time, you know, I, when I experience iboga, it is very like, I guess you could say subconscious, me, those subconscious parts of myself that I that feel that feel unloved or un- unlovable. For me, that's where the, the deep work is, is because those those pieces is essentially forgotten that they are loved and they are whole. They believe that they are not whole. Right. And so I get mm-hmm. to meet those parts and bridge that gap. It has not yet been. It's been mostly kind of like facing those shadow parts as opposed to like the spiritual experiences that you're describing. And I know others do have that like Danica my wife Danica has those profound experiences like very spiritual in the way that you describe more so at least than, than me once ayahuasca gives that to me kind of connects me to like the soul I see other people's souls I see God and all the range of spirits that that are out there transcending this experience very much so whereas iboga for me is very internal like just me and my subconscious and just the, the fears and thoughts and whatever stuff that may be there and so I find that very interesting that it can also be very different person to person. Have you found that to be the case as well? As you just, I mean, as, as a yeah. provider yourself. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And I mean, what you're talking about with the shadow, that that is spirituality, right? Like yeah. that's, the, that's the definition of it really. And what I would say is when you turn over your stones, those little stones and you turn over a rock and there's those creepy crawlers under it. When you turn over all the stones, people really find that that old axiom as above, so below, as below, so above, mm-hmm. going deep into yourself is the way to God, actually. And so, yes, the the journey towards the shadow, the d- journey towards the unlovable parts of ourselves, the journey towards into the unconscious, as I said earlier, like walking into your own unconscious and being like, oh, fuck, like what's in here, mm-hmm. right? With the tool of the medicine, it's almost like having a flashlight in the dark. Or another example could be if a surgeon, you give a surgeon a scalpel, he's going to save a life. Mm-hmm. If you give a, a toddler a scalpel, it's going to hurt itself and maybe others. And so this tool of Iboga, when you're ready to use it, you can use it with however you like. You can use it to explore the shadow and you can use it to explore higher dimensions. But 
it's all through inward. It's through the roots. Mm-hmm. It's through the earth. Which is key because it's literally from the earth. It's a root medicine. Exactly. Ayahuasca is like vines and leaves, very different in nature. And then we'll kind of like close up this little segment there as, as far as like comparing the two. But, you know, how else would you from your, from because you've experienced both, ayahuasca was sounding huge for you. And then you've done lots of iboga. How would you describe those two? Because there's, especially ayahuasca has a lot more of like a, um, it's kind of sort of like penetrated the pop culture more in terms of like, you know, Plant, what plant medicine means people immediately think sure. ayahuasca maybe psilocybin secondary something like that there's definitely a lot less so awareness around iboga but with that said you know how would you describe it to yourself i describe it from my perspective but how about yourself yeah yeah and i think starting with your perspective is the right way right ayahuasca is the vine of the soul and so if you think of just look at a tree and just let's say the vines or the branches. We can call it the same thing. It's it's not necessary. Branches aren't vines, but there's this expansive faculty of the plant which reaches upward and outward for light. Yeah, it's looking to receive as much light as possible and it brings that light in and then the photosynthetic process occurs. Well, something in a seed is engineered to grow downward into the darkness. It just knows. You plant a seed in the earth and this little part of it, the root starts growing down, down, down to the darkness and it finds the darkest possible place. And what's so interesting about that is um, Ta, the Egyptian god, also Hermes Trismegistus, if you look at the Sumerian pantheon, Nehar Zeta, many names, Quetzalcoatl, when he's depicted in the Egyptian pantheon, he's an ibis bird with that long nose. Mm -hmm. And the way that bird gets its sustenance is by digging deep down into the earth. And so your analogy is actually the best way to do it is to just look at nature as our teacher of this. Iboga is this journey inward to the truth, and ayahuasca is this journey outward to the truth is the way i see it yeah, i think it's perfect i think they're just it's almost just like that yin yang yin yang effect where this exactly. like both is part of the whole but they're just opposite expressions of the wholeness correct yeah beautiful so essentially try both if you can <laughs> you see which one uh, jives with you um, yeah all absolutely right. so for people that do look up iboga what do you feel like the common misconceptions out there so when the Medicine came from Africa to the States. I'm going to leave names out of all this because it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter the names. But from what I understand is that the tradition that brought it out was um, a very masculine tradition, very beautiful tradition, very masculine. And so the first people who came to Iboga around that medicine, um, a lot of them were people with substance abuse issues. That was the primary information out there on it. I'm struggling with this addiction. This thing can help me. You look at a lot of the people who were first kind of in the West coming to Iboga, it's a lot of that same story and ways. I'm not saying it's for everyone, but the majority. And so if you just hold that for a second and you think of like this initial first impression, it's hard to change a first impression of something, right? Like if you meet someone and they're a jerk to you, the next time you meet them, you're like, there's that jerk so-and-so, right? It's not like it just shifts all of a sudden. And so I would say for me, the biggest misconception they have is that it is only for addiction treatment because it's so much more. And especially when it's held in a container that's soft, that's nurturing, that's humble. And when the overall place you're going to is is working in integrity, what you'll find is that this is actually very soft, a very beautiful, and it can be a very gentle medicine. It's not the ass kicking that people think it is. The process is long, the duration is long, but it doesn't have to be an ass kicking. It can be an ass kicking if the space holders are telling you, you got to do your work and you got to dig into your shit. Then all of a sudden you're going to have this pressure on yourself and the medicine becomes you once you ingest it. So you're going to put the pressure on yourself and you're going to give yourself an ass kicking. 
And if the container's soft and you're talking about speaking to yourself in gentle ways with words of compassion, words of kindness, you might have a much different experience. Yeah. And so the biggest misconception there, I think, really just stems from the first wave of people who've come. But myself, my partner, and Joe are really trying to change that image of Iboga and move it from just this anti-addictive thing and even beyond the idea of just a spiritual tool into a neuro-spiritual tool, right? Because the neurological functions, what this doing with the GDNF proteins, the neuroplasticity, the neurogenesis, all of those are part of it. And to be able to really hold this in a container and environment, this neurospiritual approach to me is is the real message that we're trying to get out there about Iboga right now. I like the, because you made a, a very interesting distinction is, you know, those journeys with whether it's Iboga or any plant medicine that can be an ass kicking versus the more gentle experiences and how that is influenced by the space holding that you go into to essentially be held in a way that's nurturing and kind and lo soft loving and that kind of thing versus like this is like a you know almost like a military mission to go in and try to attack the <laughs> yeah whatever the enemy essentially that's a great distinction to make and i can definitely see that and i see that myself too and uh because when i've done i'll, I'll give you example like combo all, it's, it's a, not psychoactive medicine but i sit in the realm of plant medicine so to speak and so when you do so in like the the right space holding that is soft and gentle and that's the energy you know sometimes harder faster is not better maybe off very oftentimes it's not and so because that's not the way we gradually and sustainably grow and nothing in nature grows that way either actually everything in nature is very gradual 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 in a way kind of slow too and so good to make that um, distinction and it's something that people should look out for uh, you know can they feel safe in this environment uh, you know are, are they going to be pushed of course a little bit of challenge is good but you can also like deliver that challenge in, from a very loving soft place but you know just notice like is it what's the vibe is it feel safe and loving and nurturing ultimately and that sounds like a beautiful thing that you and joe are trying to cultivate yeah and, and you know we i think we've been successful at that over the last year i've watched a completely different shift in the vibration of the type of people that are arriving traditionally there was a lot of people in recovery mm -hmm. stages but what you're seeing now there's these people coming from very high levels. I mean, we just had a guy who's very deeply connected to the team of Joe Dispenza come here. Just a beautiful man, right? Like and his intention wasn't about healing. It wasn't about, it was about creativity, right? And so you see that this medicine is evolving just as consciousness is evolving, just as we are evolving, just as the cells in our body are evolving. All these evolution is a constant process. It's not just isolated to human beings. It applies to Iboga as well. And so you see Iboga evolving and as it evolves, it calls in different type of practitioners. Yeah, I believe that's one of the reasons why it called me is simply because I have such a strong science and chemistry background for the new age where there's almost this pseudo religion in science, right? If you look at Joe Dispenza's work, for example, he essentially has taken science and applied it to meditation or spirituality and join those two worlds. And what happens when you have science is people trust it. Oh, the science says that X don't eat fucking raisins. You stop eating raisins, right? Like it's very simple. And so when you can really articulate the science to people, the science behind it, you see that their walls immediately drop down. And it comes back to two things you're mentioning, which is, you know, there's just belief or there's just truth. And science helps move it to the truth without all that extra hopeful woo-woo thinking is grounded in something that creates a sense of safety, which then people's walls come down and then therefore they get even more benefit out of it. it dude, and, and what you just said is what I share with every single group. I know you can see the walls that are behind me and in, in, I'm in down in the temple area, but the analogy I always give is if you were to look at a brick building and you were to look at all the bricks and you were to say that those bricks 
are your belief, a belief you have. One brick is a belief that my name is Troy Valencia. I have that brick in the structure of Troy. The concrete that is around those bricks is your faith, the faith that you put into things. I have faith that my name is Troy Valencia, and therefore that brick is able to stay in the structure of my own psyche, right? For a long time, there was a brick that because of my childhood, I was unworthy. And that brick had a whole bunch of faith around it, keeping it up in my structure. Iboga is the tool that removes the concrete from the structure. And when you remove the concrete from the structure, the entire structure collapses. And this is the state that I've really found myself learning the most. And when I was talking earlier about learning alchemy and all these other principles with Iboga, what happens is when you've turned over enough rocks or, or to continue analogy, when you remove the mortar or the concrete and all the bricks fall, you get to then design your building the way you want. You can place a brick of belief and then add your faith in, or your concrete to it anytime you want. And that's the real magic of what this is actually doing. Yeah, Iboga is quite is so powerful exactly in that way. I think, you know, as, as much as I've enjoyed the spiritual awakening from other plants, plant medicines like ayahuasca, and it was necessary, 100%. I feel like the most rooted change has happened with the boga i saw like it, man. I, I saw you <laughs> yeah i, right? I mean I, I i watched i saw your first journey the boga i've, I've watched it and then yep. yeah your your transformation is a walking example of what this medicine does when you apply yourself during the integrative time as well i mean you are literally a fucking walking example the type of people you're now connected with the influence you have mm -hmm. all of that is because you dedicated yourself to the work and you used the right tools for you. And that's beautiful to see, man. And I want to also just, again, say congrats. I'm really proud of you, man. It's it's lovely. Oh, thank you. It warms my heart. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very big shift. You know, life was also doing that to me too. But Boga helped as a tool chip away those pieces of concrete and, and mortar. They're so stuck and ingrained and, and hard to consciously try to chip away at it. But it helps come in there and just really clean that up to allow that shift to happen even more and clean it up and, and just kind of accelerate. It's a great accelerant as yeah. well. Which why I just I keep coming back to Iboga. It just, you know, there's someone it's great at working one layer and then when that feels cleaned up. Then you work on the next layer, and you know, in terms of right, those beliefs which are blocking us from the truth of who we are is what it's all about. Now, this is a great discussion so far. Actually, my wife uh, Danica is the same for her. Iboga, she's obsessed with Iboga. She loves it. It's her favorite, <laughs> most powerful. You know that. Obviously, she's you know she's in training, and she will be. She will for sure be a Iboga provider when she feels called to really step into that. But right now, she's just in training, and so. Yeah, Iboga is very powerful. Very, very powerful. And it doesn't have to be coming back to like the, the, the misconceptions. It doesn't have to be the most brutal thing and most difficult thing, even though it's a very powerful psychoactive, psycho spiritual experience. It's going to be different for everyone. And you're going to experience what you need to experience and face what you need to face inside yourself. Yeah, we kind of knocked out a lot of these questions. Let's see what else there is. You know, I've done this for a little while now. Any weird experience happen with Iboga? Or just in, within this in this work in general, personally, or you've seen it with clients or so on. Not, I wouldn't say anything weird during my initiation in Gabon. It got pretty weird. I was, you know, you know, I was awake for five days, and that was a whole experience. But you know, nothing, nothing really crazy. I think one of the weirdest things and the hardest things for me to really grasp is the lack of reciprocity I see in a lot of the medicine communities. And that was really one of the most awakening things for me. Is is you know this idea of like we're going to take something from a country, we're going to to take some land in another country and um the lack of reciprocity there, right? Especially as someone of color, understanding how the impacts of colonialism, I mean, and it's not about being white or black, it's about reciprocity. And I think for me, the weirdest thing that I have seen is the lack of that in, in this space. And so, yeah, once, once Joe and I really understood that, 
we um, went through the process of opening up a not-for-profit. It's called Sacred Roots Foundation. We are still waiting to see if we're going to get the 501 status, which I'm thinking we will work with the lawyer and he's sure where he is. This takes time. But our whole entire intention there is to have this platform be designed specifically to give back to the Indigenous communities in which we are stripping from their sacraments, to be quite frank, and to yeah. give back to the to the people. I mean, you you wouldn't imagine like $10,000 would give a village in Gabon clean drinking water, education, and financial sustainability from now on. I mean, you could put up beehives and we're working with projects like that right now. But it, it really is just the lack of reciprocity was really difficult for me to swallow. And so it's something that I've taken upon myself to try and change. Yeah, understandable. Uh, beautiful. And I guess two things of that, you know, number one, awareness, big one, you know, if, with ayahuasca, there's a lot of awareness with that. And so there's, and because of that, there are foundations that get built up to help support the indigenous, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the Yawanawa are a big one where, because the awareness is so expansive now, they get a lot of funding to support their tribe and their ecosystem essentially with iboga when the awareness grows with that it can start that can start to build for sure yeah you see it with other things so it can come around with iboga it's just i think iboga doesn't have that awareness yet and it has been like you're saying historically the medicine for people who are in the deepest traumas strong addictions and so it's a different frequency there but once but as you are seeing as more and more people that are not just that but the other people that are maybe a little bit higher i would say higher in terms of um hierarchy but like there's a different consciousness to be able to be a place in a place where they can give back a lot that's going to create i mean it's already happened with ayahuasca and those tribes are going to happen with iboga eventually but all all in phases the second thing though i'm curious though is you know when you say stripping is there like things happening where like the root or it's being taken from the country and like grown elsewhere and then just sort of like which is kind of like typical colonialism where the this thing gets stolen from the country and it gets like planted somewhere and they're just trying to farm it for money exactly it's not only that, but also the poaching of Iboga in Gabon, right? Just there, there's a way to harvest the trees without harming them. Actually, you can, there's a technique for that. Uh, but people who poach don't really care, right? So what they do is they essentially take the entire root bark, which all of it doesn't even have a full, it's the Ibogas aren't concentrated in many of the layers of the root. It's only in the outer layers. And so, yes, the poaching of Iboga is a very, very big problem. That's why that NGO, Blessings of the Forest, has done such a great job in terms of sustainability. Uh, for our nonprofit, we have a project going right now in the south of Gabon uh, where they're planting a thousand Iboga trees right now. And so, um, yes, it, it, the, the seeds are taken to other countries and people grow them and sell them and that's happening. And um, in Gabon itself, they're being poached by their very own people in some cases, because they need money to live, which is why financial sustainability for those villages is so important, because now they don't have to turn on their own sacred sacraments, they can preserve it. In Gabon, Iboga is a national treasure, right? So imagine if someone came to the United States and stole an, a national treasure, that would be acts of war. But because <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a country that's been held under the thumb of oppression for so long, they don't truly have a voice. And if you go there, you'll, you'll see too, there's a big export of a very specific tree, I forgot the name, it's this beautiful tree that produces this wonder amazingly red wood and um, it's very sought after by the affluence people in China. And so there's big aspects of the Gabonese jungle that are being deforested right now simply for this wood. And these trees are dwindling in numbers. And so it, it, it's, you know, Africa has been stripped of so many things since sort of our civilization, our Western world has come along. And I think if each of us can give back in even the smallest of way, not just financial donations, but there's so many things you could do, right? That really 
really will do so much for not just the medicine, but also for the the people who are who have manifested on this land as Gabonese people, the entrusted bearers of this medicine and the Bwiti. Yeah, absolutely. Such a beautiful and uh, important cause, really just the sustainability. Yeah. Now, everything's about sustainability and if greed gets in there, which is what has been happening, which comes from a place of lack. I mean, even from the Gabonese themselves who are poor and therefore will do whatever they can to make money. It's, it's, it comes from that, that we come full circle where we feel like, you know, there's never enough. And so every bit of aid to support the, seco- the ecosystem so that people don't fall into that as much, therefore don't sacrifice the land and the nature is going to be, um, really important just no no different than supporting any ecosystem on the planet that needs to continue to sustain itself this you know for a whole holistic sense of wellness that we're not depleted and we're not sacrificing i mean regardless mother nature has a very potent way of self-correcting itself it's going to do it regardless and it's going to be more destructive if we don't work on these things and um oh, yeah. prevent that by being a little bit more conscientious try not to get into the greed spiral you know again from people from people who are coming from a place of lack and um so yeah i think more awareness of this that not only doing this medicine for yourself but you know what are ways that people can support this and i think it'd be great to have links and stuff to drop in as well just continue to spread the awareness that it's not just about taking the medicine for your own growth healing remembrance whatever it is whatever the benefit is you want from it but it's realizing that it's also part of an ecosystem that requires sustainability to keep it going right for the wellness of the plants but also the uh the people from all sides you know it has to be a self-sustaining thing otherwise it gets depleted and the resources get depleted that always leads to big problems yeah i mean look at the usa during the uh the covid pandemic i mean when toilet paper was depleted people turned crazy yeah over toilet paper yeah and i heard a saying once it said we're three meals away from like anarchy or chaos right like imagine if you're you have a family and your kids are starving but you know your neighbor has food and they won't give it to you what would you do to feed your kids yeah right it's one it's one thing to answer that question with an empty stomach or with a full stomach when the stomach is empty it's a different story and it's funny interesting we had a we had a woman here and she's big on Sadhguru and she was talking about this lecture he gave and she said uh, Sadhguru always says um, she actually like works with him in his Isha Foundation she she says he always says this all the time he says if you're starving and God comes down you're going to be like to hell with God give me a cheeseburger (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's very funny it's so true absolutely you know those animal instincts are super strong yeah let's wrap up a couple questions here what advice would you give to someone that is wanting to consider Iboga for themselves you know questions to um, ask themselves uh you know where what kind of place in life should be ideal whatever that is yeah i think the first one is to consult your heart not your mind mm-hmm. right and what that really looks like is just you know closing your eyes sending your in and noticing the vibration of your heart as it is and asking yourself a simple question to your heart is this right for me and just noticing the subtle shift in the sensation there it's a compass of sorts right it will direct you after that you know you can google and do all those things but the truth is is you're going to just be biased by the decision um and so one of the most beautiful ways you can do it is is really to just trust that your life is going to be in flow you can always reach out to people like myself i have free intro calls for anybody who wants to reach out you can set up a call with me to talk about iboga and ask questions but at the end of the day it's always going to come back down to you and your heart making the best decision for you and your progress in this lifetime Um, but wherever you go you need to make sure that it's safe you need to ask if they have are going to have doctors at the ceremonies they should be doing an ekg pre-screening because iboga prolongs the qt which are 
the bleeps between the heartbeat. Um, so you want to make sure they have a doctor present during the ceremonies, both of them, not just one. If you do two, you want to make sure you're getting an EKG done. If you have uh, a substance abuse problem with alcohol mainly, or you have issues with your liver, you want to get a liver panel. And then um, also you want to make sure that the people who you're going to work with are going to screen them any medications you're on through their own doctors and get you an approval that you're okay. Because there's a lot of medications you have to be off for extended period of time. And for some people, for example, antidepressants, or there's some other medications that they just feel like they can't get off, you're going to have to taper down off of those to have a safe experience with the medicine. So yeah, consult the heart and then ask all the right medical questions and also ask the container, um, how are they giving back, right? And really listen, because people are going to say a lot of words, but really have them show you how they're giving back. And I think if you can pull all that together, you'll find yourself a safe space for Iboga. Beautiful. So with that said, a great way to close out, drop the, the links and the details in the description, but it'd be good to also say it out loud. What's the best way to, for someone that wants to begin this journey, uh, or even just learn more about you, how can they find you? Yeah. So I have my Instagram, which honestly, I don't use that much. Uh, it's the soul integrator. You can find me there. The page is private, um, but just request and you can follow me there. I will answer messages on there. I just, I'm not very big on Instagram. I got too much stuff at school, right? But the other way is through my website. It's uh, authentic empowerment, www.authenticempowerment.com. You can see the free intro sessions there. And then um, we just, like I said, we purchased land in the Caribbean. And so we're forming our own um, new spiritually boga center there called root and wisdom um so you can find us through www.rootandwisdom.com as well and that will also connect you to myself and my partner joe such a great name root and wisdom what else is there man (laughs) you eat the the root you find some wisdom it's as simple as that (laughs) exactly what you came for for (laughs) all right brother you know that wraps us up you know can't wait to actually see you soon next next month for my own iboga journey have you been and then uh you know we'll, we'll chat soon so all right brother that ends this recording